Well, hey everyone, how's everyone doing this morning or today if you're joining us on the stream? You guys doing all right? I feel obligated, like I feel like I should have walked out and said, surprise, I'm not Bob. <laughs> if you are joining us today and you were hoping to see uh, Bob, our new senior pastor, um, we, we tried to communicate as best we could, but we did find out uh, a little bit, I, I think it was the week before last, that as Bob was on a scheduled trip to Kenya, he, he did learn that his younger brother had passed away. And so this weekend, rightfully so, he is spending time. He's, uh, his presence and his attention is there with his family. So we do want to pray for Bob, but I am not Bob. Uh, my name does start with B. Uh, I'm Ben, for anybody that maybe we have not met. Uh, I get the opportunity to be one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the opportunity to share today uh, a message that I feel like God has placed on my heart for this time and for this season. So we're going back to the book of Luke. No, I'm just kidding. We are not, we are not going back to the book of Luke. Uh, that series is done and over. Uh, if you are new here and you don't get that reference, we've spent over a year and a half in the book of Luke. We just wrapped it up last week, so we are not going back to the book of Luke. Um, so I am excited to be able to share with you uh, today, like I said, a message that I feel like God has been placing on my heart, and I, I think that it's a timely and relevant message, hopefully, for this church as well, for you as individuals, but also as we as a church are preparing for this next season, uh, I think that God has a work that he wants to do in us uh, and through us as we continue on with what he has called us to do. And as you can see from the screen behind me, uh, I, I've titled this message Uncharted. And really, uh, I want to kind of talk about the tagline says, trusting God through risks and the journey into the unknown. And uh, I, that's really kind of something that I want to talk about as we look at uh, the Israelites as they were about to enter into the promised land and, and pull out some lessons that we can learn there. So uh, before we do that, though, I do want to just take a moment to, to, to open up in prayer, uh, to, to say a prayer for Bob and for his family as they are walking through a difficult season, and to just simply pray for us today. So if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that we get this opportunity to come into your presence, that we get this opportunity to, to open up your word. And Lord, this morning, we pray first and foremost that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, that as we talk, as I, as I share, Lord, what I think and believe what you have for us as a church, uh, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be my words that are heard, but Lord, you would speak to each and every single individual. Lord, that you would speak to us as a community, that you would speak to us as individuals, Lord God, that we would hear what it is that you have for us. And Lord, as we do come before you, Lord, our, our thoughts and our prayers are with Bob and Liz, Lord, with their entire family, Lord, as they grieve the loss of a loved one. Lord, we pray that you would bring a comfort and a peace that only you can bring in the midst of that situation. Lord, we pray that you would just be glorified somehow through all of this, that in this time, Lord, that it would be a joyful celebration uh, of a child returning home to you. Lord, one of your children returning home to you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just be with them. Again, give them a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, would you just bring uh, comfort to them, uh, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, lastly, also, our, our thoughts and our prayers are, are with uh, Ukraine, Lord, with the conflict that, has, that is going on there. Uh, Lord, I, I'm not really sure what you're doing and, and what you have in store, what your plans are, Lord. Uh, my prayer would be that you would bring that conflict to an end, Lord, that it would be peace there. But Lord, would your will be done, whatever that is, Lord God. Would you have your way 
And again, somehow in this, Lord, would you somehow be glorified, even when it doesn't look like it, it makes much sense. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I said, I am excited to be able to share, and I do want to say, kind of give a special shout out to anybody that is joining us online or in the parking lot. It's a unique time and day and age that we live in. We recognize that there's three different audiences with us, so there's those that are live, there's those that are in the parking lot, and those that are online. We are glad that you're joining us, whether that's live at 9 or it's a rebroadcast at 1045 or at 5, we are glad that you're here. And uh, like I said, I'm excited to be able to share but I'm also in this uh, place where, I, as I started to think through what is, what is it that God would have me share, there's also a, a little bit of uh, nervousness in that, because what I feel like is that I feel like God does a work usually within me, that I feel like he begins to challenge me in a way, and, and sometimes I don't always know if that's something that's supposed to be just for me or for us as a church as a whole. And so I'm kind of walking in faith going, okay, God, I, I believe that this is a message for me, but I also think that it's a timely message for us as a church. And like I said, today what I want to do is kind of focus on the Israelites as they're about to enter into the promised land. And, and there's really, we're going to be kind of bouncing around this probably should or could be a series. So I've got a good amount of scripture that we're going to read in kind of chunks. We'll try and speed through that rather than kind of taking it verse by verse. We're going to read through these chunks of passages and see what God was doing in the Israelites. But uh, I think that we are in a unique time and place as a church and as individuals, right? I reflected a little bit about this two weeks ago as, as I started to wrap up the Luke series. Like, the last two years have been incredibly unique, right? Like, as COVID came in, everything felt like everything changed. Overnight, it seemed like everything that we knew, everything that we maybe took uh, for granted, everything changed, it felt like overnight. And even as I reflect within the church, there's been a lot of change, a lot of transition that has happened here within the church. And here we are kind of on the cusp of another transition and a change. And hopefully there's some excitement about what God is doing and what he wants to continue to do in and through this church. But it can be unsettling to be in an unfamiliar location. It can be unsettling to be in uncharted territory, if you will, right? Like, I don't know, there's generally two types of different people in the world, right? Like, there's usually the planners, and then there's the non-planners, right? Like, the planners are the prepared people, and then more the free spirits and those that don't plan, right? There's two things that I know about it. One is that they tend to annoy each other a little bit. Like, the free spirit's like, hey, you don't need to plan. And then the, the planner's like, yes, you do, always, under every circumstance. And the other thing that I know is that those two types of people tend to marry the other type of person. There's just something about it where if you're a planner, you're probably going to get married to somebody that's more free spirit, right? It's just by a show of hands, is there anyone that would say that's exactly what has happened in our marriage or my relationship? Yeah, I see a couple hands. Yeah, there's a lot of hands there. Okay. It just seems like if you are the one type of person, the person you end up with will be the other type of person. And I am probably more the planner. I feel like as I get older, maybe that changes or there's certain things that I, I have to plan and I have to be prepared for and there's certain things that maybe I don't mind as much not being it. But, but I would say that, you know, the spontaneous free spirit non-planners, 
they tend to go, man, just loosen up. It's okay. You, you, the, the free spirit probably goes, you don't need to know exactly what's going on. And the planner's going, yes, I do. And I just want to say, I've said this a couple times, okay? As a planner, I can be spontaneous as long as I've planned to be spontaneous. <laughs> and it's, it, yeah, so there's clapping. I heard some clapping. Thank you. I've got support in this room. Um, I am spontaneous as long as I planned for a certain amount of time to be spontaneous. But as soon as that time comes to an end, it's over. I don't have to be spontaneous anymore. I plan to be spontaneous to a certain point. And now it's done and over with. And what I feel like is that as you enter into life, right, there's so many different things that happen that bring you into a place. Whether you're a planner or you're more of a free spirit, there's so many different times you find yourself in uncharted territory. Where it, if, if you like to know what's happening, you go, man, I don't even know how to plan or prepare or to kind of make a here's what we're going to do kind of an idea. I don't know how to form, form an idea of that. Or if you're the free spirit, there's, there's probably times in life where you have just come across a situation where you're not sure what to do or how to proceed. And those times can be unsettling. For some, I think some people really do enjoy change, and that's not a bad thing. But I think for the majority of us, change can bring some stress and some anxiety and some fear and some worry. And so I feel like as we as a church are about to enter into a new season, there's hopefully, I pray, there's excitement for what God is going to do. First and foremost, that is my, my heart desire that there would be an excitement for what God is about to do. But also, maybe even some other thoughts or feelings or emotions in that. And really what I want to do is just take a little bit of time and just look at a couple lessons that we can find from the Israelites. I feel like a secondary title of the message could be Lessons from the Israelites on the Edge of the Promised Land, right? Because that's what I'm kind of hoping to do today. Because regardless of whether you're a free spirit or if you're kind of a planner, you can find yourself in a situation, and maybe this, this season is one of them, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not even just kind of collectively as a church. Maybe it's for you individually. You find yourself in a season that you're in uncharted territory, and you're going, I'm not really comfortable with this. I don't really know what God is up to. There can even be some heartache and disappointment and pain in that. Maybe feeling the loss of a loved one or seeing a loved one walk through a difficult season and journey. I've been kind of hearing reports and updates. My dad, I don't even know if I've shared this from the stage, but my dad has been wrestling with cancer since October of last year, and it's a startling season for me. I feel like God is doing some incredible things, and I'm so optimistic, but I, there's still this, this weight that comes as I'm in this uncharted territory and not sure what happens next. For some of us, there can be this desire or this, this dream, this, this heart uh, desire for what God wants to do. I, I, honestly, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I'm trying to creatively talk about a way where another season where hope and my wife and I are kind of waiting is going, God, we're not really sure what you're doing. We feel like we're called to be parents, but that hasn't happened yet. We've experienced a miscarriage in 2018 and another season where there's weight, we're going, God don't quite understand. It feels like this is what you've called us to do, but yet here we are waiting. And there's some heartache and difficulty and some pain in the midst of that. 
like I said, for some of us, there's, there's, we've lost loved ones. We've been in the season, and I think, again, to amplify where we've been at in two years with COVID, COVID just kind of amplified everything that we were feeling, like uncharted territory. COVID, a worldwide pandemic, impacts the way that we see things, right? Mental health for so many has been so crazy and volatile in the last two years. Why? Because we're in such an uncertain and uncharted season of life. I looked up what that definition of uncharted is, and, and according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it says uncharted is not recorded or plotted on a map, a chart, or a plan. So how do we trust God when we are in the midst or on the cusp of an uncharted or an unknown season? What do we do when we look out into the future and we're not really sure if the future is really exciting or if the future individually is more bleak and we don't understand what God is doing? We don't see what he's up to and how he's going to bring about the promises that it feels like that he's given to us. And I want to talk through the Israelites. Like I said, we're going to be focusing really on, uh, on Deuteronomy chapter 1. The, the first five books of the Bible were known as the Torah. We're going to be focusing on kind of the tail end of those. If you were to read through Numbers, specifically Numbers chapter 13 and 14, it tells of the Israelites kind of coming to the promised land. And there's a whole history that we're about to kind of dive into that the, the nation of Israel kind of was this, this family, Abraham, that God said had, had said and promised that he was going to make into a great nation. Fast forward a little bit, and there's tons of people, but they're bound in captivity in the land of Egypt. And I wonder if they ever wondered in that season of captivity and slavery, God, what are you up to? God, you promised our ancestors this, but right now we're standing here and it doesn't look so great. And so we're going to be reading through Deuteronomy chapter 1, and basically when you see Numbers 13 and 14, it's kind of the first time that the Israelites are walking through this, and Moses is the leader that God has in charge, and Moses is the one recording this in the first five books of the Bible, and, and Moses is kind of talking about it initially in Numbers 13 and 14 as they walk through it the first time, but then in Deuteronomy, what you see is that he's giving kind of a review of what has happened in that time, in that season, to a different generation. And so if you really want to kind of dive deep into this, there's several chapters that I'll give to you just kind of as a, a homework assignment if you're interested in that. Read Numbers 13 and 14. Read uh, Joshua chapter 14, and then we'll be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 1 today. And so uh, as we start, the first point or the first thought that I want to give to you as we kind of talk a little bit about the history of Israel, and, and if you want to take notes, you can write this down or just kind of remember it, but the first point or the first thought that I want to give you is this, is that God is always faithful to bring about his promises. God is always faithful to bring about his promises. This is a statement that in the midst of the uncharted territory, in the midst of a dark or difficult place, it's hard to remember. When you're in the middle of not understanding what God is doing and what he's up to, to remember that he's faithful and will bring about his promises is something that can bring hope, or in the middle of it, you just, it can bring confusion. Because if you believe that God is going to bring about his promises, but you don't see a way, it gets difficult to walk in that. It gets difficult in, in the understanding of going, okay, God, I know that you, you said that you are faithful, but I'm not seeing how this is according to your plan. 
God is always faithful to bring about his promises. This is something that we need to remind ourselves as we walk through difficult and challenging seasons. If God said it, he will do it. We can use his word to look at the promises that he gave. And specifically for the Israelites, this promised land, this, this becoming a great nation and going into this promised land, this is what God had promised Abraham thousands of years before, hundreds of years before, and they didn't see it coming to fruition. But now where they are is that they are about to receive this promised land. Again, kind of looking at this, this history, there's Abraham who's made into a great nation. And then basically what you see is they're in captivity and slavery. But then God raises up Moses to kind of lead them this exodus out of slavery. From there, they spend a year at Mount Sinai where they are receiving God's law. They are receiving God's kind of order. God is kind of taking them and changing them from a slave nation to his chosen and elect people. There's a process that happens there that they walk through, but they still haven't received or seen God's promises, but they are getting closer and closer to it. I think it's important to, to think of two things before we kind of jump into the text here. What we need to see is that as the Israelites exodus out of, or as they exit out of uh, Egypt, right away things start to go bad. Right away, things start to go and be challenging. It was not an easy journey for those Israelites as they leave captivity and go into the wilderness and then spend a year kind of receiving God's law and receiving his order. It was not fun and easy, and you can recall and read through that if you'd like, but it gets difficult right away, especially for Moses, because the people start to complain. They start to grumble, even though God is doing some incredible things. God like opens, he, he like dries the land, he, he parts the Red Sea and that they cross about on dry land. And then as the Israelite or the, the uh, Egyptian ruler changes his mind, Pharaoh changes his mind, they come chasing after him. And then the Israelites pass safely to the other side and God closes the Red Sea. And all of a sudden their, their, their captors, their pursuers are then swept away in that. Man, that would be pretty awesome. They're hungry and thirsty, and God provides time and time again. We see manna fall from heaven. How many of you ever seen or heard, read the book or seen the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? That was God's design first, okay? So whoever wrote that, they stole it from Jesus and God in the Old Testament. Like, it literally, manna from heaven falls from the sky. That sounds like heaven to me. I, I could sign up for that. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. If it had ever, ever happened, or if it could happen like that, it would be glorious. But that's exactly what happened. God does some incredible things, yet the Israelites kind of miss God's faithfulness. They miss his goodness. They miss what he's doing and how he's working in there. And really what we see is the, the wilderness stories, uh, are the stories that we see of the Israelites in the wilderness are really a contrast between Israel's rebellion and God's faithfulness. All of these stories that we see, we see that even when God's people are not faithful, God is faithful. Even when they don't follow the covenant, which was kind of this, this uh, promise that was given, but there was a certain select uh, requirements that if you were to be in covenant with somebody, you commit to these things and they commit to these things and to not do them would void the covenant. Even when the Israelites fail to live up to their end of the covenant, God still lives up to his end of the covenant. 
Why? Because God is always faithful to bring about his promises. He is always faithful to bring about his promises. In Deuteronomy, what we see is Deuteronomy chapter 1, kind of jumping into the text here. We'll read 19 through 25. It says this. It says, Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen, so that we reached Barna, uh, Kadesh Barnea. Basically, this is, again, this is Moses kind of re- reflecting and recalling their journey as they left, the Mount, uh, left Mount Sinai, where God gave them all of his laws and decrees, into to go and to take the promised land. So Moses is recalling this, and he's saying it to the generation that was after the generation that came from slavery. Verse 20, And then I said to you, You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you, when all of you came and said to me, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and to bring back a report about the route that we are to take and the towns that we will come to. Verse 23, the idea seemed good to me, so I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and explored it, taking with them some of the fruits of the land that they had brought uh, that they had brought it down to us and reported, it is good, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. God is always faithful. And here, what seems like kind of a boring passage, like, okay, there's a group of people that they show up and God, Moses says, we're here, go take the land. This is huge for them. This is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave Abraham years and years and years ago. Here they are. Finally, finally receiving what God had promised. And their response was to go, okay, well, let's send some men into the country. Let's send some men to spy out. Instead of maybe this excitement, which at least for me, I would anticipate that there would be like, we've been working towards this moment. We've been waiting for this moment. This is a promise thousands of years in the making. But let's wait a little bit. Let's send some spies and and for them to kind of look at the land. And at first glance, this kind of looks like it would make sense, right? Like, maybe to go and see the direction, to see what the land was like. It had been over 400 years since they'd probably seen this land. And so it would make sense, it would be logical for them to go, okay, let's go explore it before we just go and attack it. But the difference was is that God had already promised them victory. God had already told them that this is your land. This is, this is what I give to you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And so what we see is that they go into the land and they bring back this favorable report. Again, Numbers 13 and 14, you can kind of see an expanded view of that. But what we see is that God is always faithful to to bring about the promises to those who obey and are faithful to him. God is always faithful to bring about his promise to those who obey and are faithful to him. This was the fulfillment of what they were looking for. It was the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham, and now we see it coming to be. God is always faithful to bring about his promises. The second thought that I I just wrote down is this, is that there would be work to be done. For us as a church, as a body, as individuals, there is work to be done. 
See, as the Israelites make their way in, the first thing that they do is as they show up, now the land is theirs, go and take it. They then send spies to, to go and to explore the land, which to me brings kind of a, this interesting thought of going, well, why did they send spies? Again, on one hand, it seems logical that they should kind of explore, like a tactical advantage. But I will say that if you've got the God of the universe that has already promised you victory, I'm not sure if you really need to go and spy out the land. He said, go and take the land. What you have to do in that moment is to simply be obedient to what he's called you to do and follow him into the battle. He would do, he would be the one that would bring about the victory. They just simply needed to follow him and be obedient into this last step. So even this thought of, of sending these, these 12 spies into the land, it, it's possible that this was even a little bit of a, of a doubting of what God would do, that God would actually do what he promised to do, that he would bring this victory, that he would bring this, this defeat of these nations, that he would drive them out, and that they would be the people that would indwell the promised land. It's interesting, as you read through this, and again, Numbers 13 and 14, what you see is the spies go out, and they, they kind of collect information, and, and basically what happens is, as they get their information, they come down, and they give this report to Moses that says, the land is good, it's fertile, it's got great soil, like this is even the, the kind of the steps that Moses gives to them, see if the land is good, see if, uh, you know, the cities, what the cities are like, he gives them kind of these marching orders, and they come back, and, and they say, you know what, the land is really good, God gave us a great land. Like, they didn't say that, but what they said was the land is really good, but there's giants. But, man, there's large fortified cities, but did we say that they're really large cities? Like, there's a lot of people. Like, we, we went through the areas, and, and there was, like, no vacancy signs everywhere. Um, I'm not really sure... God is faithful to, to deliver his promises, but there's some concerns that we have. As the spies come back, 10 of them give this negative report. Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, give a favorable report saying we should go and possess the land. If God has called us to go and take it, then he is with us. We should be obedient to that. The rest were kind of concerned and, and startled about maybe the work that needed to be done, maybe concerned that God wouldn't be or give or show or do what he had promised to do, and they were focused on the things that didn't matter as much. There was work to be done, but it's almost like you get this sense that as, as the spies went into the land and as they come back and they give this report, it's almost as if they're, they're a little bit nervous and hesitant. Most likely, fear which would make sense because when we're in an unknown, uncharted territory, like fear is normal because we're not sure what to expect. And so most likely it's fear, but maybe they were thinking that it would be simply easy. That God would, would just do all of the work and that they would have to do nothing. But here, what God does is he says, I will do the work, just simply be obedient and follow me. The final step is to go and to take the land. That word there, uh, it's interesting, in, in Deuteronomy one twenty six, 
Let me go ahead and read this. Actually, I haven't read this yet. Deuteronomy 1, 26 through 33 says this. It says, uh, Moses, again recalling, says, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large. The walls are up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to them, and the Anakites were this ancient tribe of, of giants. They were kind of descendants or at least rumored to be with the, uh, the Nephilim, uh, if you know that word and kind of the, the background of it. But basically this giant tribe of people. So there was, um, we even saw Anakites there. And I said to you, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way to go. Uh, the way to go. So here is this report that just terrifies them. The majority of the spies come back and go, we can't possess the land because there's giants. We can't possess the land because there's fortified cities. We can't possess the land because there's large areas and a lot of people. Two believed that it could be done. Two stood on the promises of God, while 10 of them said, no, 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 we can't, can't do that. And they spread this word throughout the rest of Israel that they became fearful that they were afraid to take the land, that they didn't want to do the work involved to be able to possess the land, the promise that God had given them. The final step was up to them to just simply be obedient. God had brought them all the way along. All they had to do was simply be obedient and make that final step. It wouldn't come without work. And it's interesting as you read in, in Deuteronomy 126 and Numbers uh, 13, 28, uh, that word there uh, that we read as but uh, translates into nevertheless. It translates into the, the Hebrew as nevertheless, and it means ceasing or end. So it's almost as if they go, well, the land was really good. However, nevertheless, there was people who dwelled in the land that were really strong. The, Despite God's faithful promise, the cities were fortified and really big. Despite God's faithful promise, we saw the descendants of these giants there. Despite God's faithful promise, the Amalekites dwell, the Amorites dwell, the Canaanites dwell. All the land is taken up. There's no vacancy. They saw the problems rather than magnifying who God was. Rather than recognizing seeing the God of the universe who had done all these incredible things for them. Instead of magnifying God, they magnified the problems. They didn't walk in obedience and doing the work that they needed to do. And I feel like our application is that God wants to continue to do a work here within this church, within this community, and we have to be willing to do the work that he's calling us to do. Specifically, I feel like the work that God is doing is this continued process of sanctification where God calls us to continue in our relationship to go deeper and deeper with him. That we wouldn't be content with where we are, but we would pursue the things of God, continuing on and continuing on so that we can go from glory to glory to glory. 
we have to be willing to not just settle in our faith where we go, now it's good enough for me to, to go to church and to do this and to volunteer in these ways. Our pursuit should be of all that God has for us. As a church, in order to reach our community, we need to be in constant pursuit of the work that God is calling us to do to be obedient to the sin that is present in all of our lives, to be obedient to the attitudes and the things, the hurts and the hang-ups that we get tripped up on time and time again. God wants to do something incredible within us. We have to be willing to put in the work. We have to be willing to go after what God has for us. We have to be willing to pursue the things that he is calling us or calling to our attention. We just simply have to be obedient to his voice and to his leading in that. We need to do the hard work of spiritually aligning our lives to continually be in obedience and devotion to God. It's not going to be easy. Again, I can't help but wonder if the Israelites thought it would just be a, a walk in the park which on some level, I'm curious if, if it was or not. Like, as you read, as they start to take the land, as you get into Joshua, as they start to take the land, if they were obedient to what God had called them to, they had incredible victories. They went out, but God did the work. And so they, we need to do the hard work of aligning ourselves spiritually to what God has called us to. If we're to possess the promises that God has given us, there is difficult work that needs to be done. Continuing on, just kind of reading the rest of, of Deuteronomy, uh, verses 34 through 40 says this. It says, When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, No one from this evil generation shall, shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. So basically... They show up, here's the land, Moses points it out, they go, let's send spies, spies come back, oh, uh, not, not really good. Then they start to grumble and complain, which had been a pattern for them since they had left Egypt. They finally make it to the promised land and they continue to grumble and complain. And it's interesting what, what happens when we take our eyes off of God, right? Like they, they say, they have this thought of going, God hates us, he brought us here to kill us. Man, it's amazing how sin can distort our view of God. They believed this God that was with them, that literally walked with them, that he was by night in a pillar of fire and by day a cloud of smoke. He literally was in the presence of his people. Like, you could look up in the camp, anywhere that you were, and see that God's presence was in the camp that he abided with his people. Yet there's this thought that God hates us. He's brought us here to kill us. It's again amazing how sin can twist and distort our view of God. And that's what happens here. And so because of that, God, God brings judgment because God is faithful to bring about his promises, but not at the expense of his justice. Continuing on, he said this, is, it says, no one from this evil generation, this is verse 35, generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of uh, uh, Jephana, who we will, uh, uh, Jephana, he will see it and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also. Again, this is Moses speaking. You shall not enter it either. 
but your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him, because he will lead Israel to inherit it. Verse 39, And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children do not yet know good from bad. They will enter the land. I will give it to them, and they will take possession of it. But as for you, turn around and set out towards the desert along the route of the Red Sea. A judgment for their lack of faith, for their rebellion, the Israelites spend 40 years wandering the, uh, the, the desert. They spend 40 years wandering the wilderness. And it was not until that generation that left Egypt died off that that next generation could then enter into the promised land. For us, as we read through this, it feels almost harsh as we kind of look at this really quickly. But as you read through the story, again, God is faithful and just to bring about his promises, but not at the expense of his justice. God was right in dealing with the sin and the, the, the evil wrong thoughts of the Israelites because it wasn't just about taking a group of people from one section of land to another. What God was doing was transforming them from a slave nation into his chosen and elect people. It wasn't about the journey. It was about the process of what God was doing in their lives, taking them and making them his unique people that would bring glory and honor to him, that once they got into the promised land, that it wasn't just about having that land, but it was about modeling who God was and that they would be a witness of the great things that God had done. It's interesting because what, what you see is that in this wilderness, that's exactly what God did. He, he, as one generation kind of dies off, the generation behind begins to learn and see and understand what it's like to follow God's laws and decrees to grow from a slave nation into the elect people that they were called to be. And so as Moses is saying this in Deuteronomy chapter 1, they are about to actually take and possess the land. And he's telling them this, that they would remember and recall and that they would be faithful to the covenants that God had given. There is work that needs to be done. God is faithful to, to his promises, but not at the cost of his justice. Continuing on, verses 41 through 45, it says this, it says... Then you replied, we have sinned. So Moses telling this story. Now we're going to see how the Israelites respond after this rebuke, after they hear what happens, after they hear that the 10 spies were, were killed almost instantly, right? Like after they hear this judgment that's going to come, this is what it says. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. The Israelites recognize their sin, that they've sinned against him. We will go up and fight as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on his weapons, thinking it would be easy to go up the hill, the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go up and fight, because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. I told you, but you will not, would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and you in your arrogance, you marched up into the hill country. The Amorites who the Lord command, uh, the Amorites who lived in those, uh, in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Salar, or Salar all the way to Haram. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. And you stayed in Kadesh many days, all the time that you spent there. See, when the Israelites realized what they had done was wrong, they wanted to make it right. All of a sudden, they're going, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll go. If we're being called to take the land, we'll go take the land. But at that point, again, it wasn't about the battle. It was about being obedient and following God. So God says, don't go and take the land. And again, they do the same thing that they just did, is that they weren't faithful to follow what God was calling them to do. 
And so they experienced, they experienced defeat and, and the weeping and mourning that came with that. Trusting in God's plan and timing. This is what we need to do. Israel tried to take control, but it was still not following after God. Again, it was not about the battle. It was about following God and submitting to him. It was about being a people that were set apart and different. The third thought that I wrote down is this, and I've got about five minutes to, to wrap up. The third thought I, I have is this, is that, and this is probably more of a challenge for us, and I think there's so much more that we could probably try and pull from this. Honestly, I do think that this could have been a series that we would do for weeks, but just trying to share with you some thoughts as, as we enter into this new season, the, the challenge is this, is that we would try to be as faithful to God as he is faithful to us. The reason I say that we try to be as faithful to God, because the reality is, is that we will never be as faithful to God as he is faithful to us. But our desire and our goal should be to try and live a life that is faithful to him in the same way that he is faithful to us. As I read through this story, I'm encouraged by, by Caleb and Joshua. These two men who, when all of Israel pretty much is going, we can't do it, they're going, no, 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 we can Again, they didn't magnify the problems. They magnified God. And because they did that, they believed that they could take and possess the land. And what you see in Joshua 14 is, is after 40 years of, of the wilderness, of being in the wilderness, and then kind of the beginning campaign of starting to take the land, what you see is Caleb and, and uh, Joshua at the time are the two oldest people in Israel. Moses passes away, but Joshua then begins to lead the Israelites. Two oldest people are, are, are Joshua and Caleb because the rest of that generation has passed away. And what you see in Joshua is Caleb's response and his, his request to Joshua as they go into the promised land. It says this, it says, now the people of Judah approached. So basically, uh, the land portions are starting to be divided as they've experienced victory now in the promised land after these 40 years. So generation dies off. The next generation begins to, to take the land, to conquer the land, just as God called. And then this is what it says. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, son of Jephana, the Kezite, said to him, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to get Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 9, so on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since that time, he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as, as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle as I was then. Now give me the hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites, again, these giants, these Anakites were there and that their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephana, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephana, the Kezite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. 
It's amazing to me that here at 85 years old, Caleb's going, hey, hey, uh, Moses, or excuse me, Joshua, remember what God said to Moses like years ago? He said that that would be my inheritance. Yeah, I'm ready for my inheritance. For 45 years, this man waited for the promise of God. I feel like my thought as I worked through all of this was this entire thought. If God called me to be faithful for 45 years, waiting for his promise, would I do it? If God calls you to be faithful for 40, 50, 30, 20, 10, 5 years, waiting for the promise that he has given you, will you be faithful? Caleb's life here is an example of somebody who is willing to wait 45 years. I wonder if he ever got mad at the other spies, right? Like, I know I would. I'd be like, I can't believe, I don't know, like, just making up a name. I can't believe that that dude said that. Man, I'm still walking around these wilderness because of that guy, right? Like, I wonder how he felt in that. But in those seasons, what he did was he trusted and he relied that God was faithful to bring about his promises. He had to wait. And after 45 years of waiting, what did he want? He wanted the promise that God had given him. He wanted the land that had giants. He wanted the land that had fortified cities. He wanted to go to battle. Why? Not because he was so great. What 85-year-old fighting men do you know? He didn't think that he was so good and powerful. He just knew that God was so good and so powerful. That God would be faithful to deliver his promises. So he said, I am just as vigorous now as I was 45 years ago. Let me possess the land. And as you read chapter 15 of Joshua, that's exactly what he does. He takes possession of the land. He takes the land from the giants. He takes the land from the vast amount of people, from the fortified cities. He fights not because he's some great warrior, but because he believes in a great God. Our challenge is to be as faithful to God as he is faithful to us. And I, even just to throw this out there, what I think is amazing is that he's 85 years old. I feel like Caleb, of all people, could have gone, hey, you know what, I've lived a really good life. <laughs> like that time, I remember I went into the land, I spied it out. Like, yeah, I'm going to kind of sit back. When you guys got it all sorted out, I'll, I'll come up. Like he could have almost coasted on what his accomplishments were in the past. He could have just said, okay, you know what, I, I'm okay. Like, I'm old. Everybody would have probably given him a pass. Like, yeah, he is old. Like, I mean, everybody else is under 45, right? Because they were the younger generation. The older generation died off. So they are, are young, and he's going, yeah, I could probably. And they're like, yeah, that would make sense. You're an old man. But instead, Caleb is eager for the fight. He's eager to jump in. And look, here's, here's the application. And I know that when you, when you call anybody old, it's not good, right? Like, so I'm not calling anyone old. But if you find yourself experienced, if you find yourself with, uh, with a knowledge and a wisdom that you get by years and age and experience, then I would say that you are being called to take the land. You are being called to take the land. What God has for this church and for this community Everyone needs to step up and do the work that God has for us, to be faithful, to do the heart work that God wants to do in us, and then to be faithful in the ways that he's called us to do. 
in some way, I feel like I, I, like Moses, is he's kind of giving this decree, like in Deuteronomy, it's the last book, and Deuteronomy is kind of what, he, last thing that he writes, and Joshua takes over as he sees the promised land, but can't enter into it. That book of Deuteronomy is really about Moses kind of pleading with the people to follow and to be faithful and devoted to God. I feel like in my last message for a season, that is my entire desire for you that you would be faithful and devoted to follow what God has for this church. If we want to see the promised land, then it really depends on our willingness to be faithful and our dedication to be obedient to God in order to possess the land. I feel like that is what God is calling us to do. So as we're on the verge as a church, as we're on the verge of a new season, take the land. And how do you do that? You take the land by being faithful and obedient and devoted to what God has for us. You do the work that needs to happen within your heart. As God shows and reflects and, and reveals sin, do the work that is hard, hard and needed to do because God is faithful to deliver his promises. I want to go ahead and, and call up the worship team. I, I wrote this in my notes. I'll just read it to you. I said this, In many ways, we stand at the edge of the promised land. Whether we walk in faith and obedience to God determines whether we will enter the land or if we will wander in the wilderness. To inherit the land, we must be obedient and trust in God's leading and direction. Be devoted to him and to follow him wholeheartedly. God is faithful to fulfill his promises, but there is work to be done. And the challenge is to be as faithful to God as, as much as God is faithful to us. When you walk in uncharted territory, what will you do? Will you see the risks and will you see and magnify the problems or you magnify who God is? Will you choose to be obedient and, to, uh, and faithful or will you choose the fear of the unknown? For individuals, I feel like it's a different application as you are waiting for, for what God has, what you feel like God has promised you, are you willing to be faithful to him? Are you willing to be faithful to what he calls you to? It's amazing to me that in the wilderness, in that waiting, God changes the identity of the next generation. One generation is dying off, but the other generation is changing who they are and what they understand. They're living into the reality of what God has called them to do. They're living into what it means to be a set-apart nation. They're living into the laws and the decrees that God had given, the order, and there's a work that is being done in the wilderness. So if you find yourself in the wilderness, trust that God is faithful. Trust that he is doing a work and that it will one day be for good. It may not feel good, but God is doing a work. And he's always faithful to deliver his promises. The final song that we're going to sing today is... is a song by, it's called Promises by Maverick City. And, and the lyrics say this, it, it fits so perfectly with this. It says, God of Abraham, you are the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. The next line says, though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And this line is what captures my heart. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. When you speak a word, it will come to pass. We serve a faithful God, and when he speaks, his words will come to pass. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I, I pray that, like that song lyric says, that our hearts would learn that when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Lord, I pray that as we as individuals maybe feel like we're in the wilderness just kind of struggling, Lord, I pray that you would show us that you are doing a work. Lord, that you are a good God, that you are faithful and just. Lord God, that you provide and that you do great things. Lord, I pray that we would not take our eyes off of you. Like Caleb's example of 45 years of faithfulness, Lord God, would we choose to be faithful to you in the midst of the difficulty? Lord, as a church, Lord, there's excitement. We want to take the land. Lord, we want to do what you're calling us to do. Would we hear your voice? Would we hear your conviction? Lord, would we hear what it is that you desire for us to do? And would we be faithful and obedient to it? Lord, I thank you that you've done the work, that you go before us. Lord, that there's nothing that we do that we have to worry about making it good on our own. But Lord, if we are just obedient to your calling, Lord, that we can just walk in it. Lord, I thank you that we can learn from the Israelites. Lord, I thank you that you have great things in store for us. Lord, again, our desire is that we would take the land. Would you show us what you desire to do in us and through us so that we can be a blessing to the nations? Lord, as we sing this last song, would you be glorified in my name? Amen. If you would just stand with us as we sing this morning.
prayer is that that would be more than just a song that we sing, but the declaration of our heart that great is your faithfulness. I really hope that you are challenged and encouraged by today's message. If, if you do have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us. We have a overtime podcast that we do on Tuesdays at 12. You can email overtime at clcfamily.church if you have questions or just simply text or call the office or contact us through the website. But I want to close today in a benediction that's found in Ephesians 3, 20 verses 20, or in chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says this, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We hope that you have a great week. If we can serve you in any way, please let us know. But thank you for coming, everyone. I